This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Everybody on? Good. Great. Grand. Wonderful. The Dan Grasa Show on 98.7 ESPN starts now. Hour number three on this busy, jam-packed Wednesday. Dan Grasa Show, 98.7 ESPN. We're taking another 60, then Larry and Gordon. We'll take it for the rest of the night right here on 987-800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Remember, you can get me on Twitter at Dan Grasa, G-R-A-C-A. As a matter of fact, I just tweeted it out a, a couple of minutes ago, something that we discovered earlier on the show tonight since the Jets have been kind of the focal point of the conversation. Sunday will be the third time the Jets have hosted the Ravens in the home opener in franchise history. Remember, the Ravens have only been a franchise since 96, somewhere around there when they moved from Cleveland. Previous two times that happened, 1998 and 2010, the Jets went to the AFC Championship game. So that's a good omen. And you know what? The Jets lost both of those games too. 98 and 2010, the Jets lost both of those games to the Ravens and still went to the championship game. Who knows? Maybe Lady Luck is shining. I don't know. It's worth a conversation, though. Uh, Mets in good shape, 9-0. Going to the bottom of the seventh inning over the Pittsburgh Pirates, so they are nine outs away from sweeping a double dip and reclaiming first place in the NFC East. They'll go a half game up on the Atlanta Braves again. And we were talking about it during the break, whether or not Buck Showalter would send Jacob DeGrom out to the mound for the seventh inning because it's a 9 nothing game. DeGrom is at 75 pitches, and he's going back out there. So that's good to see. You know, And again, I think that it's the right choice by Buck because you need to continue to stretch him out a little bit. Right? Because we're now getting to the point of the season where who cares who the opponent is and how many games they've won. Jacob DeGrom is now going to be needed even more so for the Mets, especially considering Max Scherzer is going to be down for at least one start. And, you know, look, you got the best-case scenario as far as Max Scherzer is concerned and the fact that he is going on the IL, but it's not anything super lengthy, not anywhere near as long as what happened to him earlier in the year when he had the oblique injury. This is more just a numbers thing. Um, He wasn't going to make the next start. So instead of just like keeping him on the roster and having him eat up a spot, the Mets realize, hey, we should get another arm, at least somebody that's going to be able to pitch and contribute for us. So that's why Scherzer ends up on the injury list. By the way, here is uh, Max and was asked how he's feeling before today's game. Honestly, it just feels achy. I mean, that's the way I describe this is that just my left side feels achy. It's not a strain. Like, I don't have, like, one specific spot that you can point to where, like, that hurts. Like, no, it's just general fatigue on the whole left side. You know, the first time when I did this, you know, I had one specific spot. That's not what this is. And so, I mean, that's the good in this is that I told everybody, well, I communicated what I was, my symptoms. Um, you know, we kind of had conflicting symptoms uh, throughout the game. And, you know, I felt fatigued, but I was still out there throwing the ball well and went as far as I could. And, I have no regrets on how I handled the situation. He's also really downplaying the severity of it. 
Yeah, this is a days, not weeks. So th- that's the first and foremost thing. This is not a significant injury. This is more of a, I'm going to miss one start. We knew that. And then once the ball's out of my court, then, you know, the team's got to do what they got to do for roster moves. Um, and so because of the irritation on the side here, you know, I'm not going to be able to make a start. Uh, they need to get another arm up here, and so that's why I'm going to the I.L. So that's Scherzer. In case you're just joining us, Marte, non-displaced fracture, middle finger on his right hand. He's day-to-day. So they don't think it's going to be an IL situation, which is certainly uh, good to hear as far as that is concerned. So the Mets in good shape here, and the ground out here in the seventh inning, and he gets a leadoff uh, strikeout there of Ben Gamble. We'll see. You know, you know what? If he has a quick one, two, three, seventh inning, maybe Buck sends him out there for the eighth. Who knows? We'll see how it plays itself out. Yankees, on the other hand, they also won the opener today, but it was like pulling teeth. Uh, it took them 12 innings, but they finally, finally beat the Minnesota Twins by the final of 5-4, to four, and that was a game where... I mean, maybe it was Goodwill Day at the stadium. I don't know. There was about seven people there because of the rain out and, you know, the the single admission, double dip and all that stuff. You're not going to get a lot of bodies out there for the early game, especially people have work, school, obligations on short notice. But, I mean, you look at that lineup that Aaron Boone put together for the first game. I mean, it was like Aaron Judge and, and literally eight guys they pulled off the street. I think if you got there early enough, you were eligible to play in the game. Like, the Yankees actually picked your brain and said, you know, you think he could give us a couple of innings tonight? Because, look, and they won the game, right? Judge hit another home run, so a double nickel for Judge. He's got 55. So the pursuit of Maris and the pursuit of 62, it continues. I I, I think he's going to get it. I really and truly think he's going to get there. But more importantly, you know, they had to win a game, and they finally got that done. And now you have Cole going tonight here in the nightcap, and they're trailing one nothing. Carlos Correa got him for a home run. They're in the fourth inning. They've still got a lot of baseball left to be played, but I was curious to see how Cole was going to come into this start because, remember, the last time he pitched against Minnesota back in June in Minnesota, that was when he gave up those five home runs, and they were hitting him around like a pinata. So the fact that he's out there and actually pitching like we expect Garrett Cole to pitch I think is a step in the right direction for him. Now, Cole is also somebody who gets plagued by the inevitable one bad inning, as you like to call it there. So hopefully he doesn't have that. If he only gives up the one run, you would think that the offense is going to be able to, you know, get to Joe Ryan, get to that bullpen, and start to maybe scratch uh, some runs back here on the scoreboard. You know, you look at this group that he's got out there, it's a little bit more of a regular lineup for the Yankees in game number two, but they don't have a hit yet through three innings hopefully second third time through the order they're going to be able to get the offense going here because these are big games you know I don't have to tell you I mean everybody knows what the situation is right now and how this team has been playing plus you got Tampa Bay who's winning again tonight they got a one nothing lead on the Red Sox in the eighth inning down there at the Trop so I I think that this is important for sure and you know maybe it's going to have to be Judge who bails them out I mean if you're Aaron Judge and I know he's like Judge is a great team guy you know He's somebody who's never going to throw anybody under the bus or that type of thing. But Jez has got to be saying to himself, it's like, can I get any help? You know, can you guys help me at all? Like, why does he have to be the only one that's ever able to manufacture anything for this team? Because that's what it's become here. You know, and now DJ LeMayhew, there's a chance... He might have to go on the injured list. Like, Aaron Boone wouldn't commit, but he at least left the door open in between games saying that, well, DJ's been bothered by that toe. And, I mean, look, if you watch the guy play for the last few weeks, you know that it's still bothering him because his production is, 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 you know, nosedived. But these are guys that you rely on. 
You know, and you, I, I think it was even more glaring a couple of weeks ago, whatever, when was it last week, DJ LeMahieu, in like a run-producing situation is dropping down a bunt. You know, dropping down a bunt, and you're saying, in, in Anaheim, when they were playing the Angels. Like, DJ LeMahieu's batting at the top of the batting order. His job is to produce runs, not sacrifice. Because that put him in more of a disadvantage because it took the bat out of judges' hands because first base was open, and the Angels just issued the free pass, as any right-minded human being would do. So Yanks down one nothing, Mets cruising nine nothing, in the bottom of the seventh inning, and Degrom looks like he is vintage Jake Degrom tonight, and he's going to get through seven scoreless innings as the Mets have just done that. We'll see if Buck sends him out there for the eighth. I mean, he only you now he's at ninety one pitches right now. We'll see uh, what the manager decides to do. I would probably say call it a day. Bring you know, me trumpet play the song. Yeah, that was that was uh, Timmy Trumpet. Maybe Timmy, like, would that happen if, um, you think, t- they, maybe they should just have Timmy come on Jacob DeGrom's next start. I might, how you do? <laughs> we had some fun with Timmy. We had some fun with Timmy, as we are prone to do. 800-919-3776. And, of course, big topic tonight, as you would expect. Zach Wilson, the knee injury, it's going to keep him out for a few weeks. So it is the Joe Flacco show till minimum, minimum, the Pittsburgh game in week number four. But as I noted earlier in the show, the fact that the Jets didn't put um, Zach Wilson on the injured list and didn't put him on IR, which would knock him out minimum four games, I think is encouraging because they actually are somewhat holding out hope that maybe it'll be sooner than the four weeks and maybe just maybe there is a chance because they want him to practice. You know, so even let's say if he can't play in the third game against Cincinnati, if he's able to go out there and take reps in practice, they're going to have him do that. They just want him on the field as soon as as humanly possible. So they're leaving the door open, and we'll see what shakes out of it here over the next few weeks. Uh, We also got some U.S. Open stuff we'll get to a little bit later on. Now just one American left standing. Jessica Pagula lost in the quarterfinals on the women's side to world number one Iga Svantec. So Pagula's out. Francis Tiafo won earlier today. He is the first American male to reach the U.S. Open semifinals since Andy Roddick did it in 2003. And, oh, by the way, that's when Andy Roddick won the U.S. Open. He is the last American male to win a Grand Slam. Maybe it's going to be Big Foe. We'll see what happens. So we're down to one as we get to the uh, waning stages of this U.S. Open. Let's go to the phones. Let's say hi to Richard. He is in Manhattan. He is up next here on 987 ESPN. Richard, how are you? Dan, this is one of the most exciting days in New York sports this year. I mean, maybe go back to the St. Peter's run in the NCAA tournament and the Rangers run in the uh, Stanley Cup. So we've gone six months. Well, you got four four baseball games in one day. That's pretty good, right? Three out of four. Now, do you think that's ever happened in New York sports history? Four wins? I mean, now I'm not talking about the Brooklyn and New York Giants, New York Yankees before 57. But let's say from 62 on, have the Yankees and Mets won four games in one day, especially in the middle of the week? That's a good question. We need to get the and Elias Sports it. Bureau then, on that one. Yeah, find out. And then also find out, has it ever happened with both teams in first place this late in the season, winning four games in one day? I bet that's never happened. Boy, Possible. Very big things. Uh, Dan, I love the ghost runner. I love it. It put so much strategy and excitement in extra inning games. Now, this was a, the first Yankee game was 12 innings, and that was with the ghost runner. Can you imagine if they didn't have the ghost runner? It would have went 22 innings 
the day. Well, Rich, let me, let me ask you a question because yes. you're 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 a you know you're an old school type fan. Yeah. I know that. 60, Sixty-two years of watching since nineteen sixty. Absolutely. I remember Mazeroski hitting the homer against the Yankees. There you go. So I would think that the Ghost Runner, when it was implemented, that would be something you were against. Were you ever anti Ghost Runner? Right, I was. You were okay, and I was too. But you know what? I'm I like you. I've come around to it now. I'm. I would hate it if it was implemented for the postseason, but thankfully it's not because playoff games should play out normally. But I got Dan, no problem you, with the you Ghost know Runner. Why I like it more than right. anything? Because we can second-guess the managers. We can question why they didn't move the runners over, why they didn't pinch hit for this guy. So it gives you more reason to second-guess the managers, which is great. That's what we do as fans. I like it because the games end sooner. I mean, more often than not, they will. They should, but that's not always true. But, yeah, they, yeah of course. But I, I, I think it's a great thing, great thing. Anyway, Dan, always a pleasure, and uh, today's a big day. So hopefully maybe you'll find out whether it's, you know this has ever happened, four wins in one day. We haven't won all four yet, but uh, very exciting Yankee game today. Wow, I was so excited. Bases loaded, no out, and they don't score, and then they still come back and win. After giving up a run in the top of the 12th, that's unbelievable. Well, this game this game's still got a lot of legs tonight, Richard, the one in the Bronx, and I thank you for the phone call. I mean, it's only in the fourth inning, and it's a one nothing game. This, this one's going to go on a while still. Wait till you start getting into the bullpens and all that stuff. So you probably got at least a couple more hours of, of Yankee baseball. Met game will be over soon here. Um, we might be able to get some Mets postgame reaction before we get off the air at 10 o'clock because, you know, 9 nothing lead in the eighth inning. If I'm the Mets, I'm just up there swinging right now. <laughs> you know, get, get out of there quick. Get on a damn airplane. Get down to South Beach. You want to go out and uh, hit a club, get a nice bite to eat, you know, socialize with the locals, be my guest. But, you know, you get in that bed and you can enjoy a nice Thursday off down there in Miami before you got to take on the Marlins starting on Friday. That's what the goal is probably going to be for uh, the Mets. Just go up there and swing. It's 9 nothing. Get out of Dodge. Great job by Jacob DeGrom. That's what you would expect to do. All right, 800-919-3776. When we come back, NFL season starts tomorrow. You know what we're doing? We're giving you some over-unders. That's right. We'll pick some overs, pick some unders. You know how it works right here on the show. Dan Grasso till 10, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. ESPN New York is celebrating the return of football with the Back to Football viewing party with Peter Rosenberg. That is Thursday night, September the 8th. Hey, that's tomorrow as the new season kicks off. Come watch the season opener at the Ainsworth 
That's located at 310 Sinatra Drive in beautiful Hoboken, New Jersey. Peter will be joined by the 98.7 promo team and Anita Marks. They're going to give away back-to-football prize packs and tickets to select 2022 Jets games. ESPN New York's back-to-football night brought to you by Modelo, Jack Daniels, FanDuel Sportsbook, and Leafly. So head on out to the Ainsworth manana, if possible. Hang out with Peter, hang out with Anita, hang out with the promotions team, everybody. Going to be a fantastic time. And we wouldn't expect, of course, anything less. Tomorrow, by the way, as far as our show is concerned, and I'm sure that they're going to have our show maybe blaring through the place, right, since it's a 98.7 event. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe yes. Maybe no. Uh, We have a jam-packed show for you. Tomorrow we're going to have on, among our guests, Jim Duquette. Talk a little baseball, a little Mets-Yankees, as we, you know, get down the home stretch of this baseball season. Former Met GM, now, of course, uh, SNY, MLB Network Radio. Great to uh, be great to catch up with Jim. We will also catch up with Jordan Renan, who covers the Giants, of course, for us here on ESPN. Do a little bit of a game one preview, season setter for Big Blue. So we'll talk to Jordan. And also, a little bit of a new feature we're going to do for you all football season long on this show. We're not just going to talk about the Jets and the Giants. We're going to talk about each week the upcoming opponents for each of the two teams. We'll give you a little bit of insight and a little bit of info on who the Jets and Giants are playing each weekend. So tomorrow night, we're going to catch up with Kadri Ismail. You might know the name, of course, because he was a Super Bowl champion, member of the Baltimore Ravens that beat the Giants in 2000. Now as part of the media and has been covering the Ravens pretty much since he hung up his cleats. So Kadri is going to join us tomorrow night to help us preview the Baltimore Ravens and what type of team the Jets could expect to see on Sunday. And don't worry. We'll have the Giants side covered for you on Friday night. We'll do somebody, have uh, pop somebody up to chronicle the Tennessee Titans, who the Giants are going to play, of course, in week number one. So we got all the bases covered for you here on this program all throughout the season. You don't need to look anywhere else. Now, season's starting tomorrow, right? Season is upon us. Everybody's going to be playing this weekend. You're making your predictions. You're making your bets. You're doing all these things. So you know what? Let's do some friendly wagering here on this show with a little over-under win totals for the upcoming season. Oh, you hear that music, you want to run through a brick wall. Right? I mean, it's like, there, oh, give me that. I could run through a brick wall just hearing this. You wait all season for this. You wait all year. Summer's great. The weather's great. But you know that at the end of it, it's football. Here's what we got. First, I'm going to start with some overs. Number one, I'm going Saints over eight and a half. To me, this is a no-brainer. I actually think the New Orleans Saints are going to win the NFC South. That's right, I said it. couple of reasons. Number one, and I talked about him a little bit earlier. This Saints roster is really good. Really, really good. Like, if you put any established quarterback on that team, they'd be a popular Super Bowl pick. I know I'm not really in love with the whole Jameis Winston-Andy Dalton combo there, but the roster's really good. Did I mention the roster's good? It's good. You know, Dennis Allen, eh, he's not exactly Vince Lombardi with the visor there, now taking over the reins from Sean Payton. But they own Tampa Bay. 
They've beaten Brady four out of five times since he went down to Tampa. And there's just something about the Bucs this year. I don't know what it is. All this Brady-Giselle drama, eventually it's going to have to run its course. The injuries that the Bucs have on the offensive line, eventually it's going to run its course, and Brady's not going to be as sharp as he's been his whole life. But over eight and a half? You mean to tell me the Saints to win nine games? That's like stealing. That's the first over that we have for you for the upcoming season. Lock it in. That's right. Lock it the hell in. Second one. Closer to home. Let's go NFC East. I think the Eagles are winning the division. Yankees with a grand slam. Who hit that, guys? I what? Can somebody test IKF, please? What is this, three home runs in a couple of weeks? Think about this. Well, one thing we know is that the Yankees are undefeated when IKF hits home runs. Right? They're 2-0 in the other two games he's hit a home run. So maybe the Yankees are going to win this one, too. Anyway, I digress. But Yankees get some offense there for Cole. I think the Eagles win this division. And we'll document it, of course, more as we move to the end of the week. And I know the number's a little bit high. But I'm sold on the Eagles. They made believers of me last year. I didn't think the Eagles were going to be very good last year. I saw them come up and scrimmage the Jets at Florham Park for a couple of days, saw them up close and personal, new coach and Nick Sirianni. I thought that, you know, they gutted that roster a little bit. I thought the Eagles were going to be dreadful. And they made the playoffs. And they won with Jalen Hurts. And I don't know if they're married to Jalen Hurts long term. I really and truly don't. I don't know if I'm married to Jalen Hurts. But at the very least, I think they're the best team in this division. Nine and a half wins. That's a little high. But I think the Eagles will find a way to get to double digits. I mean, they won nine last year, and I think they're a better team. Look at those two wide receivers that he's going to be throwing to. Over nine and a half with the Eagles. Lastly, you can lock that one in too, Harvey. Lock it in. Locking it. The third over. Really no surprise if you've been listening to the show, certainly last night. Expectations are like rock bottom for the Jets. Rock bottom. People think they're going to be awful. People think they're going to be one of the two or three worst teams in football. Now Zach Wilson's not playing, and Joe, Fla- I mean, Joe Flacco, people are making him out to be like he's, you know, Steve DeBerg, 45 years old, having to play quarterback in the NFL. But how insulting was it that in the offseason, way before any of this quarterback stuff happened, all the improvements they made to this roster, that Vegas comes out and puts a five-and-a-half as the Jets over-under. Five-and-a-half. I know I've used the stealing analogy earlier. I'm going to use it again. This is like blindfolded robbing a bank. Over five and a half for the Jets might be the easiest pick on this entire sheet for the upcoming season. I'm not saying they're winning the Super Bowl, but six wins? Six wins. You got to be kidding me. That's a joke. Lock it in. Jets over five and a half. So those are the three overs. Saints over eight and a half, Jets over five and a half, Eagles over nine and a half. Now let's do some unders real quick. Let's go to the Windy City. Let's go to Chicago. Bears are starting over. Matt Eberflus. They've done some interesting things to that roster during the offseason. They just unveiled some plans the other day for a brand new stadium with a dome. 
People are getting so soft nowadays, aren't they? I mean, Chicago, the bad weather, the monsters of the midway. I mean, that, that that's what football's supposed to be. The Windy City, those old videos of the 85 Bears, you know, running in the snow, Wilbur Marshall and the NFC Championship game in 85 and all that stuff. And now they want to play in a dome? Really? Well, guess what? It's not going to have any bearing on what the football team does this year. And I know people love Justin Fields. They think he's the flavor of the month member. It was so disrespectful that Justin Fields was not one of the first two quarterbacks taken last year in the draft. And how did he fall so far? And blah, 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 blah. Well, one thing you got to do for a young quarterback, if you want to accelerate his development, you better surround him with some good pieces. And you better give him a good foundation. And the Bears have done the opposite of that with Justin Fields, at least on paper. It's really insulting that the Chicago Bears had a higher over-under win total from the folks in Vegas than the Jets did. Bears at six and a half. I mean, again, folks, it's like stealing. Give me the under. Chicago will be picking in the top three in the NFL draft next April. You can write it down. I had a hard time going for another one here. You know, there were a few that I liked, potentially. But I don't know if I was, like, quite necessarily all in. There are going to be some bad teams. There's going to be some teams that aren't as good as maybe people think they're going to be. But I settled on this one. I don't love it. I'll be the first one to tell you. I don't necessarily love it. But we'll see. I'm going to stay in the NFC North. I'm going under nine and a half for Minnesota. Now, let me preface this by saying a couple of things. Number one, I've never been the biggest Kirk Cousins fan. Never. All right? They've turned things over there. Kevin O'Connell is now the head coach. I mean, I remember Kevin O'Connell when he was like the third-string quarterback for the Jets, and now he's a head coach of a team. That's what the new trend is in the NFL. you got to hire, like, you know, 12-year-olds to be the head coach. But nine and a half is such a big number. You know, new regime there. They've made some changes to the roster. There's a lot of people that are jumping on the Minnesota bandwagon. And for the life of me, I can't figure it out. I really can't. I know they've got some talent. Love the running back, of course. Love Jefferson at wide receiver. I don't love the quarterback. And the head coach. You like that? He likes it. I don't like it. Kirk, I don't like it. I don't like it, and so much so I don't like it. That's why I'm going under Minnesota nine and a half. Nine and a half is a huge number. Huge. And I don't know what Kevin O'Connell's going to be as a head coach. You know, can you lead men? Can you? So to recap, there's your five picks. Saints over eight and a half. Jets over five and a half. Eagles over nine and a half. Vikings under nine and a half. Chicago under six and a half a toothless season for the bears and the monsters of the midway 800-919-3776 is the telephone number thoughts on the picks we'll also do like seasonal picks for you tomorrow when we reconvene not just the jets and giants we'll give you all the playoff predictions and all that stuff as you would expect we'll do our weekly game picks coming up on friday and so on and so forth we come back though Maybe a breakthrough in men's, not just men's, but American tennis here at the U.S. Open at our own Grand Slam. Isn't that a novel thought? Dan Gross is right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Gross Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> it's only a kick. 
a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Football fans, sign up for Cover 5. It's a free-to-play pick'em game for season-long fun. Compete against your friends, your rivals, and your favorite 98.7 ESPN host. Pick five games each week, and the best score against the spread throughout the regular season will win $1,000. Weekly prizes of $100 will also be awarded. Join the 98.7 ESPN League with code NY22 on the Cover 5 app and Cover5.com. It's as easy as one, two, free Visit ESPNNewYork.com for full contest rules. You know what? That's a good reminder for yours truly who has to get on that and sign up and make the picks and all that. We'll do it by tomorrow, you know, once this season starts for sure. Dan Grasso Show, 98.7 ESPN. At Dan Grasso, you can get me on Twitter, G-R-A-C-A. Good news. To, I mean, like, double good news if you're a Yankee fan. Not only are you winning this game right now because of the IKF Grand Salami in the fourth inning, so you got a 4-1 edge right now, although it's still early in the game. But down on the farm, the Somerset Patriots, who of course are the double-A affiliate of the Yankees, they just pitched a combined no-hitter against the Hartford Yard Goats, and that Yard Goats lineup is absolutely stacked. It's like the double-A version of the 1927 Yankees in Murderer's Row. So the fact that Somerset was able to piece together a no-hitter was just, I mean, one of the great baseball feats. I mean, there's no other way to describe it. Incredible. Incredible accomplishment. Kidding, of course. But they did throw no-hitter, so good for them. You know, that's what you like to see in these type of uh, instances here. Um, Over at the U.S. Open, Francis Tiafo, who, remember, upset Rafael Nadal back on Monday. And today he kept it going. Took care of Andre Rublev in straight sets. So now there's five men left in the tournament, and we know that an American male will be one of the final four for the first time since 2003 when Andy Roddick won the U.S. Open. And that was actually the last time an American male has won a Grand Slam. It's been almost two decades. And you know what? He's got a shot. He's got a heck of a shot to make this happen when you think about the remaining draw and as it's stacked up. Tiafo's going to play the winner of the Last quarterfinal, which is just starting now, between Yannick Sinner and Carlos Alcaraz. And Alcaraz is, you know, a teenager and, uh, you know, the third seed and has had probably as good a year as almost anybody. You know, not named Nadal, if you will. Nadal, Kyrgios, Djokovic, you know, because Djokovic did win a slam. He won Wimbledon. Um, and Alcaraz. Those, I would say, you know, b- through the French Open, the only guy who's had a better year than Alcaraz was Rafael Nadal. Uh, he, he played very, very well um, at, at most of the tour events. Had f- I want to say four tour titles this year off the top of my head. So is this going to be his Grand Slam breakthrough? We shall see. 
Uh, you got Casper Ruud and Karen Hatchinoff in the other semi uh, on Friday. Hatchinoff was the guy who beat Nick Kyrgios last night. And, boy, Kyrgios melted down last night. Did you see the end of that match? You know, you thought that he had finally gotten a hold of his demons a little bit and, you know, was not as prone to those outbursts and, and a lot of things that have come to almost define his game. Well, he lost last night in a tight five-setter. And then after they did the handshake and he went back to the chair, he took one racket and smashed the hell out of it. And then he went into his bag and he took the other racket he had in there and just absolutely started smashing that and almost like threw it back out onto the court. I don't know if he's going to get fined for that. He might, you know, because they'll take any money that they can, talking about the USTA and so on and so forth. But, um, yeah, so disappointing for Kyrgios. And now you got, you know, Tiafo who I'm sure that a lot of people have seen his story over the last couple of days. You know, parents were immigrants. His father was you know, from Maryland, College Park, Maryland. And his father was a, a custodian at a, a tennis club. And, you know, they had, he had Francis and his twin brother, and they allowed the boys to, you know, take lessons at the club because, you know, he was watching the kids and so on and so forth. And like little by little, they showed that, hey, kids got talent, kids got ability. And then, you know, one thing led to another. And, you know, he became a professional tennis player there. And now, you know, in our home slam here, for an American to have this kind of breakthrough, I, I think is great. And Tiafo's a guy who, you know, really has not had a lot of success at the major level. You know, he hasn't really made these super deep runs in majors before. And to, to do it here, like I said, I think it, it would be fantastic. And this was a little bit of Francis today in his on-court interview on ESPN after disposing of Andre Rublev. I feel so at home on courts like this. Like, this court is unbelievable. You guys get so far behind me. You know, I want to play. I want to give my best. Um, yeah, and I just... I don't know. There's, uh, I was always finding a way somehow uh, on this court. I always try to play some great tennis, and I have been. Um, let's enjoy this one. We got two more, guys. We got two more. I can remember years. It had to be at least five years ago where in a first-round matchup at the U.S. Open, he played Federer under the lights, Arthur Ashe, you know, night session. It might have been like the opening night, and he pushed him to five sets. Like, it was, it was, you know, a hell of a battle. And you saw that, all right, this kid's got ability, but he's just got to, you know, harness all the other parts of, you know, the mental makeup and the, the conditioning, because the conditioning is a big part of it, too. You know, having to play five sets in these majors, especially when the, it's slow conditions, you're out there sometimes for four hours, it, it, it eats away at you. And he's only made the quarterfinals once at a major. That was Australia in 2019 when he had a nice run there. But his best finish ever at the U.S. Open was in the fourth round, the round of 16, where he hit that the last couple of years, and now he's in the final four. So men's tennis has been tough over the last couple of decades. I mean, you could count on one hand the major Grand Slam champions, not named Federer, Nadal, and Djokovic, because those guys have dominated the sport. You know, they're the three best players of all time, all playing in the same era. So that really does not leave enough crumbs for everybody else. So now when you have these guys out of the way, you want to strike at this opportunity. And I think that that's one of the reasons why Kyrgios was as aggravated as he was last night, because he probably thought he could win this thing. You know, with Nadal out and Djokovic not here and Federer still not back out on the court, Kyrgios probably thought, hey, I got I got as good a shot as anybody. Kyrgios was actually the betting favorite going into the quarterfinals. So that is a huge opportunity that you squander. So somebody's going to get an opportunity to do it. Unfortunately, nobody left uh, on the American side for the women. 
you know, Coco Goff lost yesterday. Jessica Pagula just lost a couple of minutes ago in straight sets to uh, the world number one, Iga Svantec. I would expect Svantec to win. Um, you know, she's the best clay court player, winning the French Open last couple of years. But the other majors, she hasn't really made any uh, deep runs yet here. So maybe this is the one finally she gets the hard court title at the U.S. Open. We shall see. You know, the Serena storyline got so much attention. And, and what I keep coming back to is, you know, why does it seem like the tennis is not as popular in this country, let's say, as maybe even, you know, golf is? And is it because there hasn't been, let's say, a breakthrough, at least on the men's side, in quite a long while? You know, especially when you're getting in these big tournaments and you're not really seeing any American male make a lot of noise or go deep into these tournaments and to create a buzz and to create the storyline. I mean, Taylor Fritz had himself a pretty good year last year and whatnot, and he became like the number one ranked American player, but not a household name by any stretch. And for the longest time, like top ranked American men's player was John Isner. You know, some dude who was like 6'9", and, you know, he had a, a monster serve, but, you know, his game had limitations because, you know, he didn't move as well given his size, but he never, um, you know, was like a serious, serious threat to, to win Grand Slams. But on the women's side, you always had Serena. You know, you had Serena, you had Venus, and those two were, of course, going to be a factor. But you never had anything like that with the men because the three guys that have been dominating the game, number one, they're all Europeans. So it's not like you're going to get that at-home attention. Now, they're, they're global stars, and they're, they're as popular as anybody around the world. But here in the United States, and, you know, the U.S. Open is an event. People go. They make a ton of money. You know, they sell it out, all those things. But it's just I, I don't think it gets the attention maybe it deserves. And, you know, that was one of the things I was saying last week when Serena was making her charge through the tournament. It's like, okay, that's great, and you're giving her the proper respect, but – what happens when she's out and what happens when she loses you still have a tournament to cover you still have other americans that you can spotlight and you could give them their just due you know because eventually time is going to move on it looks like you know serena her career might be over the guys on the men's side those the the, the big three you know the end is sooner than the beginning for them What's going to happen next? The sport is still going to go on. The sport is still stronger right now, but you still need the – it's like the Tiger Woods conversation with golf. You know, Tiger's not going to be around forever. You know, and Tiger is a threat right now to win major championships and big tournaments. I mean, it's, it's, it's a long shot given everything that he's been through. But who's going to be that next person that's going to, like, attract eyeballs to the sets? And who's going to be, like, must-see TV? We haven't had that in tennis in a while. You know, the Sampras Agassi days on the men's side. You know, Curry or Chang, all those guys – you know – those the 80s, the 90s and whatnot, tennis was big then. You know, when McEnroe was finishing up and Connors and all those guys. I mean, there was popularity was through the roof. And at least here at home, we haven't had that in a very, very long time. I Look, I still love the sport. I'm a tennis guy, period. Uh, I'm going to watch regardless. I don't care who's playing in these tournaments because I love the sport and I follow the sport and, and whatnot. But just to get the casual fan roped in, like how many people that actually go out there to the U.S. Open Spend hundreds of dollars on tickets. Spend, you know, $22 a pop on a honey deuce. And by the way, USTA, you already got my donation each year. You make a ton. You print money for the two weeks that you have that event each year. Whoever's in charge of inventory, can you at least make sure you order some more glasses so the people that are paying $22 for that drink are actually going to get the souvenir glass that they can, you know, it feels like they bought something. And now they ran out of glasses 
And so for the rest of the tournament, anybody who buys one of those drinks, they have to eat it or, or drink it in some rinky-dinky paper plastic cup. I mean, you, give me a break. That is a horrible job. You know, who, who's, who's man in the stock room over at the uh, National Tennis Center there in Flushing? Come on. Do better next time. It's not like this was a surprise, and it's not like the large crowds were a surprise. You know, you've opened up. You didn't allow fans two years ago. Now you sold all these tickets and you're selling it out. You should have had more glasses for everybody. But that's neither here nor there. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. You know, we're getting close to the hockey season, by the way. And today, the National Hockey League, their broadcast partners, they told you a little bit of what they think and what they expect to see from our area locals. I'll tell you what I mean by that. Dan Grosset right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Oh, 98.7 ESPN. That is the telephone number. Got a few more minutes still to play with. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Larry and Gordon are going to be coming up in a few, and they'll take you the rest of the night. Just about over in Pittsburgh, where the Mets have a 10-0 lead, so they're going to sweep this day-night double dip. They're also going to take two out of three in the series, a series which certainly did not start out well. Coming off the heels of those two disappointing games against the Nationals at City Field to close out the weekend. So maybe this gets the bats going. Look, I know it's the Pirates, but you know what? This is what you got to do to bad teams. What you got to do? You put up five runs earlier today, ten runs in the nightcap here. Maybe this gets them going as they go down to Miami. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, stand by, and we'll get you actual confirmation on this. But I believe the Mets are going to actually avoid... Yes, indeed. Mets aren't going to have to deal with Sandy Alcantara in that series this weekend down there in Miami. Alcantara is pitching manana against the Philadelphia Phillies. So bad for the Phils, good for the Mets. So no uh, leading contender for the Cy Young Award in the National League. They will have to see him, so that is good news. Yankees have a 4-1 lead over the Minnesota Twins. IKF with the go-ahead Grand Slam, all in support of Garrett Cole. And right now that one is in the top of the sixth inning for the uh, Bombers, and you hope that Cole is able to get through this one unscathed and not have the so-called bad inning that he has been prone to at times. But uh, you know, he's pitching a good game. He's got 12 punch-outs, for crying out loud, and we're not even through six innings. But he's at, he's at 98 pitches, so you wonder if he's even going to even go back out there for the seventh. I mean, Boone might decide, you know what, enough is enough. You empty the tank. And uh, all is right with the world. You did your job. Met game is now final, so 10 nothing. So uh, Larry and Gordon will get you some post-game reaction from Pittsburgh and everything happening there with the Metropolitans. Now, with the hockey, remember, we, of course, are the home for the Rangers. You even get some Islander games on here, which is cool. And Rangers made a deep run this past year. You know, it feels like it was five minutes ago. All the way to the conference finals before they bowed out to the Tampa Bay Lightning and... Tampa Bay, of course, would lose to Colorado in the Stanley Cup final. But, you know, when you have a big season and you're the New York Rangers, you know, you're going to get featured a lot the next year. So today, the uh, broadcast partners of the NHL, TNT, ESPN, um, ABC, you know, ESPN Plus, all them, they put out the national TV broadcast schedule for all the U.S. hockey or the all the hockey games that were going to be on in the U.S. Rangers got 15 national tv games and as i look at the sheet here that is tied for the most 
of any U.S. team in the National Hockey League. Minnesota's got 15, Pittsburgh's got 15, and that's it in the New York Rangers. So, look, they're the Rangers, it's New York. Fan base, of course, across the country, and they're pretty good, so you would expect that. Islanders got 11. That's not too shabby of an assignment. So 11 national TV games for the Isles, even though they had a very, very quiet offseason. Didn't really get a lot done out there. And the Devils have nine. Devils have been uh, trying to figure things out. It's been about a decade since they've been any good. Um, Certainly the goaltending has been a huge problem for them since Brodeur hung it up and became a statue outside the Prudential Center. I've been saying they should just put the statue in the crease. Probably can't do any worse. Uh, But they've got nine national TV games in the United States. As far as the American teams are concerned, I'm just looking at this right now. The Arizona Coyotes, who are playing their games at a college next year, that is a true story. They only have four national TV games. And then the Canadian teams don't have many. You know, Montreal has zero. Winnipeg has one. Vancouver, two. Ottawa, one. Because it's one. Calgary has four. Because that's all for Canada. Hockey will be here before you know it. When is that first game? Like October the 11th, somewhere around there, maybe thereabouts. And then like the next week, the NBA starts with the Knicks. You'll hear all those games right here on 98.7 ESPN or 1050, depending on if there's going to be a conflict of some sort. But it'll be here before you know it. And that's really going to do it for us tonight. So this was a fun one. And remember, tomorrow, I still got to remember what day of the week it is because of the holiday and you forget all these things. But tomorrow... We got ourselves a big program planned for you. As I told you, Jim Duquette's going to join us to talk a little baseball. Jordan Renan on the New York Giants. And Kadri Ismail, the missile, will join us to preview the Baltimore Ravens. That's who the Jets are going to see on Sunday in the season opener at MetLife Stadium. Thanks to Rich Samini, who joined us this evening. It was always great to catch up with Rich. And thanks to Harvey. Thanks to Joe. Thanks to Julian, who are producing the show this evening. It was great to see those guys in person, live and in living color, doing an outstanding job as always. My time is through, but you can get me on Twitter as always, at Dan Grasa, G-R-A-C-A. And I'll see you tomorrow coming up at 7. But I want you to keep the radio station tuned right here to 98.7. And don't even think about changing it because Gordon and Larry are coming up next. They are personal friends of mine, so give them the time and the courtesy that they deserve. I'll see you tomorrow at 7, everybody. Bye.